Hi, I'm Shantae Cross, owner and operator of CNC Counseling and Coaching, as well as a licensed psychotherapist and life coach. And welcome back to the Room for Growth. All right, first, you know, moment of transparency. Filming these podcasts or recording these podcasts have been a challenge. I mean, it's it's just been wild. This is probably like my 20th take of just this one episode, and this is only my second episode, so I'm finding it quite frustrating. Um, it's not necessarily recording itself that has been the problem. I am not in the best setting for recording, so it's been quite challenging. Um, I'm not in a, you know, studio. I don't have the money for a studio, so I'm really doing this from, you know, my home, to be honest and transparent. My walls are paper thin. You know, every time I get started, my neighbor's dog starts barking. <laughs> and I'm laughing, but I it is it has been highly, highly frustrating. So that's just my moment of transparency. I hope you guys don't mind me venting to you about my struggles as a, a new podcaster. But it's definitely been an interesting time. Um at some point, something's got to change. I just don't know what, and I don't know how, and I don't know when, but something's got to give. Um, but I've had my venting session again. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for being my ear. Um, but moving on to, I guess, explaining what today's podcast will be. So the topic, the main topic, is microaggressions in the workplace. But before I even get to that, I want to give my personal review of Andre 3000's new album. And again, I know now the album isn't necessarily new anymore, but like I said, I've been trying to get this recorded for weeks now. So, but I still want to kind of give a a therapeutic um, review of this album, um, as well as a fan, because I am a fan. I mean, let's be honest. And as a fan, I love this album. I love this new... It, iteration of Andre 3000. I love this part in his evolution uh, as an artist. For those of us who have been fans of Andre 3000 since the beginning, since he and Big Boy brought us outcast, you know, this isn't necessarily a huge surprise. I don't know why there is such surprise or shock about what he has done. Outcast has always been on the cutting edge. They've always been in the forefront. And so, you know, to come out with something new, something different, that's, it really should not be a shock nor a surprise. Um, you know, when Andre 3000 and Big Boy brought us Outcast, it was new, it was fresh, it was different, it was unexpected, it was something that hadn't been seen in, in hip hop at the time. So, again, not a huge surprise. And as they grew and evolved as a, as a, duo um you could see for sure andre 3000's evolution because he wore it he you know he always presented himself differently and big boy evolved as well as a hip-hop artist as a rapper but again you could kind of see the stark difference in how they chose to express themselves through their chosen genre of music so for Andre 3000 to kind of go down this direction, again, have you not been watching? <laughs> have you not been paying attention to this man? <laughs> um, 
So it, to me, again, it's not a huge surprise. And I love the music for what it is, for who he has now decided to share with us, this new side of him that he's decided to share with us. I love the music. I've listened to it myself several times. Um, it is not, again, a hip-hop banger. It's not a, you know, it's, it's soothing. It's relaxing. It's, you know, it's a different way to show his introspection and his thought process and his evolution as a person and as an artist. As a therapist, I highly recommend this album because it creates that moment, it can help create that moment of peace and of calm and of introspection and going within, shutting out outside stimuli. It is, it is all of the things that I have asked my clients to do that are dealing with stress and anxiety um, again, creating this moment to kind of decompress, um, even for those that I've asked to kind of, again, do some introspection, you know, journaling, doing a moment of reflection, this can help facilitate that process. And that's why I love it as a therapist. You know, I am on social media, like every other human being probably on the planet that has access to the internet. Um, and therapists are saying how they are using this album in therapy sessions again, to create a sense of calm, to create a moment where a client feels relaxed enough to kind of communicate um, and express and again, to be reflective and introspective. So again, highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, can't say enough about it. I've used it several times um, just to kind of, again, shut out the outside world, go within, create this nice little warm bubble in which to exist. It's perfect for that. Um, and so again, I can't recommend it enough. If you are a client of mine, prospective client of mine, you're hearing it from me now as I haven't said it in session, get this album, use it to facilitate stress management, to facilitate coping with anxiety, to facilitate introspection and reflection. Highly recommend. But moving on again to our more difficult topic and hopefully the neighbor's dogs allow it. The, I'm going to start by actually reading some information to kind of help set the scene for microaggressions and then move on to, um, to examples and then ways to cope. So first reading from Mental Health America, there, they have a, on their website, it talks about racial trauma and it states racial trauma or race-based traumatic stress refers to the mental and emotional injury caused by encounters with racial bias and ethnic discrimination, racism, and hate crimes. Any individual that has experienced an emotionally painful, sudden, and uncontrollable racist encounter is at risk of suffering from a race-based traumatic stress injury. In the U.S., BIPOC, meaning Black Indigenous People of Color, are most vulnerable due to living under a system of white supremacy. Then it goes on to talk about how, you know, experiencing race-based traumatic stress or racial trauma can actually trigger PTSD symptoms. And it lists the symptoms as depression, anger, recurring thoughts of the event, physical reactions such as headaches, chest pains, insomnia, hypervigilance, low self-esteem, and mentally distancing from the traumatic events. So again, you're, you're in the office and someone, I don't know, makes a race-based joke that they, oh, it's just a joke. It can, again, trigger symptoms of depression because in that moment, the person who is listening or even just with an earshot of that comment 
can internalize it and create depression. They can actually feel hopeless and helpless to do anything, which again can cause depression, rightfully so cause anger, you know, recurring thoughts of the event. Oh, I wish I'd have said this, or I wish I'd have said that, or, you know, why are people this way? Just kind of constantly thinking about the event and, you know, what took place or what they could have, should have done about it. Um, physical reactions, headaches, chest pains, and insomnia. To me, again, those are huge symptoms of anxiety and stress because, again, you're up thinking about it. You're up, you know, brains telling you, running that scenario through your head over and over again. Um, chest pains, we all know that the body and the mind are connected. So whatever your mind is going through, your body is reacting to it. Um, hypervigilance, now you're on guard constantly worried that this person or someone else is going to say or do something that you know emotionally or ment and mentally injures you so all of those things are occurring now another article by pfizer actually lists out the three forms of racial microaggressions micro assaults and i'm going to again read verbatim from the article these conscious deliberate and explicit racist attacks both verbal and nonverbal are meant to denigrate or hurt the victim. Name calling, using racial slurs, avoiding and or discouraging interracial interactions, and displaying a swastika are all examples of micro assaults. Micro insults. While often unconscious and much more subtle, a micro insult demeans and belittles the victim through racial slights or comments that seem innocuous but are insulting to a person of color. For example, a person of color being mistaken for a service worker or a woman clutching her purse when walking past a person of color with the message being, you are a criminal. Micro invalidations. These comments and behaviors can exclude and invalidate people's thoughts, feelings, or experiences in life. For instance, asking an Asian American where they really are from implies that they are not from the United States and therefore a foreigner. Now, as I've said, well, actually, I don't know if I said it, so I'll say it now. I have clients that are dealing with these types of things in the workplace, and it causes so much emotional and mental stress. You know, I personally have dealt with microaggressions in the workplace. Um, and I'll just give you some examples of the ones I've experienced and maybe some general information about what my clients are reporting. So for me, and it comes back to me from time to time, again, the replaying the event in your mind. So in one work setting, I would wear my hair, and I still do on occasion. I'll wear it kind of pushed up and then pushed to the front for um, those that are listening. Again, my hair is very uh, fluffy and curly, um, more fluffy when it's frizzy, <laughs> more curly when it has the curl definition. And so I will brush it up and then pin it towards the front. So it creates like this little curly bouffant thing in the front of, in the front of my head. And I wore it to work one day. Um, I want to say this is, might've been around the time that Prince had passed away. Cause I remember, you know, doing like a little tribute, um, to Prince, I don't know, like purple shirt, little, um, animal print collar, you know, doing my purple best. <laughs> so, um, I walk into the break room just to get my cup of coffee and a higher up comes in, you know, white woman. She comes in and she looks at my hair and she says, oh, how fun. And 
it really bothered me because, you know, it's like, well, first of all, black women and their hair. And if you don't know by now, you've been, you're un, you've been under a rock. But there's a lot of history and trauma related to black women's hair. It's only within, I would say, the last 10 years or so, maybe a little bit more than that, with the whole natural hair movement. It might have started like the early 2000s, but I can't recall. Um, the whole natural black hair movement, you know, where women were feeling comfortable enough to truly wear their hair as it grows out of their heads. You know, before that, you know, the rule of thumb was you straighten your hair. You, you know, whether it be through hot comb, whether it be through chemical relaxers, you straighten your hair to be acceptable in workspaces, in academic spaces, um, because that's what's seen as professional. That's what's seen as neat. But then, like I said, a shift in the 2000s where wearing your natural hair was a thing. It's like, yes, you know, big chop, cut it all off and starting fresh. Um, you know, actually figuring out what what type of hair that you have, meaning what actually is growing out of your head because you've never seen it before. You haven't seen it since you were a kid. Um, and so when you start talking about black women's hair, you are touching on trauma. And so the rule of thumb is don't say anything. If you don't have a genuine compliment, oh, that really looks nice or oh, that looks good on you, keep your mouth closed because it's not for you. But anyway, so this higher up in my company, you know, looks me in the face, looks at my hair and is like, oh, how fun. There's no glitter in my hair. There's no feathers. There's no pinwheel. I literally just have it brushed up, you know, to the front where my curls are kind of, you know, displayed in the front of my head. And so, and that sat with, sat with me. And again, it's a micro microaggression. You know, you, I mean, micro insult. She might have known that it would have been perceived as an insult. But if I looked at her hair just on a regular day and said, oh, how fun. I don't, I think she would be baffled. She would be confused. Like, <laughs> what, again, what's fun about the hair that's grown out of my head? Um, and again, I think it also felt demeaning because, again, we're in a work setting. And believe it or not, black people at work take work very seriously. Um, you know, there is this, um, you'll hear it quite often if you have close black friends that they don't come to work to make friends, they come to work to work. And, you know, again, that could be around microaggressions, that could be, again, based on racial trauma. And I've, I feel, and I've had friends echo this, is because we don't expect to make friends at work. You know, black people in work settings where they are multiracial, multicultural settings, we are not, again, always welcome and embraced with open arms. Again, this stereotype about black people being aggressive and even when we're just being assertive, when we're being direct, it's perceived as being aggressive. And so people don't necessarily welcome you. Other people <laughs> don't welcome you with open arms. And so you go in to do your job. You go in to, you know, excel in your career, but again, not necessarily to make friends. So... And I'm sorry, I've gone off on a tangent and I, <laughs> but again, in regards to, again, my experience with um, microaggressions in the workplace, there's another situation that stands out for me and it happens repeatedly where people call me professional. Like, oh, you're so professional. And to me, that's bothersome because I am, I am not a young person. 
you know, at this point in my life, I am not taking entry-level positions. Um, I have a certain level of education. Again, as I said, I'm, I'm a certain age. Um, and the settings that I work in, again, are not entry-level positions. So the idea of me being professional isn't remarkable because it should be expected. And I've said to people, if I were a white male with the same level of education, with the same um, job title, working in the same settings, would you feel the need to remark on me being professional? And my answer is no, you would not. A 50 year old with a master's degree working in mental health, working in wellness, working in education, you would not be surprised that I'm professional. Again, it should be the expectation. I've never seen anyone go up to a white woman leading a workshop saying, oh, you know, you're so professional. I have never seen anyone approach a white male in any setting, again, that's a work setting, and say, oh, you're so professional. So for you to say it to me as a black woman, it lets me know what you're thinking. It lets me know where your head is. You assumed before talking to me, before meeting me, before working with me, that I would not be professional. And so when I conduct myself in a manner that is professional, it is surprising. And so therefore you say something, oh, you're so professional. You know, and I mention it to friends, also, you know, people of color friends, they're like, well, Shante, take it as a compliment. You know, you'd be surprised at how, pe how many people aren't professional. And I guess there's some validity, validity to that. I just don't operate in those settings. I've never worked in a setting where the people I worked with did not behave as professionals. So maybe, again, I'm operating from a place of ignorance in regards to the lack of professionalism in certain settings. But again, I feel very strongly that if I were not a person of color, that that comment would not be made. So, and like I said, with my clients, they are dealing with some very strong emotions. And um, as stated before and through the, the articles that I read, mental health conditions, PTSD symptoms because of microaggressions. You know, they are in workplaces where people are making racial jokes out loud. <laughs> where they, you know, it's like, hey, you know, just any other given Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, someone walks into a space and, and makes a very inappropriate comment or joke based on race. Um, you know, people seeking to, I don't know if it's lessen their authority is the word I'm looking for, but definitely, for lack of a better term, dim their shine. Um, you know, professional people, people who are working, you know, in organizations and in large companies with, again, status and rank and, and they are saying and doing things to bring them down a peg, knock them down a notch, keep them in their place. And it's just, it's sad that this is happening in 2023, you know, 1950, 1960, even up until the 1980s and 90s, but 2023, like, come on. And I won't go on a political rant as to why this is or why this may be. I think we all have an understanding of where America in particular is going right now or where it looks like it's going, where it currently is. Um, but it's just, it's sad, it's ridiculous, and it's causing harm. It's causing mental, and I will even venture to say 
physical harm. Because as I said, the mind and the body are connected. If someone is dealing with PTSD symptoms, if someone's dealing with depression and anxiety and high stress because of microaggressions, there are direct links to our physical health. And I talk with my clients all the time about the mind-body connection and how trauma and stress plays a role in the way that we feel physically and then what actually happens um, to us medically in our bodies because of stress, anxiety, PTSD, depression, you know, all of those things. So coping strategies. And this is where I struggle. I'm, I have to, again, transparent moment, I struggle. I struggle with coping strategies for these types of situations because the client is needing me to provide ways for them to cope with a very toxic environment. It's like asking me to help you walk through a lion's den or a viper's pit or a room full of toxic gas. You know, my first instinct as a therapist would be like, don't do that. <laughs> don't go in there. <laughs> Let's save both of us the headache of you dealing with all of these major mental health symptoms and conditions um, just by not doing it. However, people have to live, people have to pay their bills. Again, we are in an integrated society, for better or for worse, depending on how you see it. Um, and truthfully, the vision for life on this planet would be for us all to be able to live harmoniously, but we're not there yet. So if you can, coping strategy number one, if you can change where you work, who you work with, what you do, if possible, that's the ideal. That's like, you know, we're reaching for that. That's the ideal. <clears throat> if you cannot change where you work, while you're working in these settings, you know, surround yourself with people that you love and that love you, that support you, that care for you. You know, don't make work your everything. You know, we talk about boundaries in, in our lives in general for everyone, black, white, you know, whatever, black, white, brown, all the colors. So having those boundaries, again, when you're dealing with microaggressions is very important. Work, if work stops at five, it stops at five. You give them no more than that because now you have to go home and take care of yourself. Now you have to go home and recover. And so in doing so, as I said before, surrounding yourself with people that you love, people that love you, people that care about you, people that validate you, you know, spending time doing things that you truly enjoy so that that toxicity is not all that you have. It's very important. It's very important. Even at work, and this is, it's funny because I think we kind of do this naturally. <clears throat> if you work, again, in a very diverse work setting, you will see where certain people group together. Black people will find each other. Brown people will find each other. Um, and it's because, again, those are the spaces that they feel safe. Not because they're racist, not because they don't want white friends. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. It's because it's where they feel safe. And so if you have those spaces, whether they be of the same race, same culture, same background or not, because you can definitely feel safe with some of your, your colleagues who are not of the same culture and background as you, but you want to find those spaces at work where you feel safe, where you feel supported, where you feel encouraged to kind of, again, combat the microaggressions or the, the consequences of those microaggressions at work. 
do as I was saying before outside of work making sure that you're doing things that you enjoy things that really support your mental health um, I recommend just in basic again stress management creating what I call a stress management routine or or regimen so you know if it's during the day and you just need a break again finding those people that support you maybe just going for a walk um, if there is a place at the at the job where you can go and decompress um, some office settings for example may have an adult chill out corner I don't know what they would call it but <laughs> that's what I call it an adult chill out corner um, if your job has that take advantage of it um, and again throughout the day wherever you feel like you need it and then at the end of the day doing something again that feels relaxing that helps you decompress for some it's going to the gym for some it's just going for a walk for some it's coming home and putting on quiet music or doing a meditation um, and then like I said surrounding yourself by people that love you care about you support you um, validate you option number three or I should say number three because you could do all of these things at the same time if you so choose the third one is more practical you know document 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 you must keep record of the microaggressions that you're suffering from you want to document the name of the person the date and the time as well as what was said or done you will then give this information to human resources now I will say human resources is not your friend human resources they're there to support the company they are there to know the laws policies and procedures backwards and forwards to keep the company from doing things that will get them sued or get them um, shut down and so in doing that in making sure that the company is complying with again laws policies and procedures they should take your complaints very seriously especially again if it violates the company's policies procedures and the laws that govern that company um, and so if you provide that information they again are operating in a way to protect the company they should want to act on this immediately because they know that there's some major major repercussions that could come the issue that can come is that instead of them dealing with the actual problem if say you're the only one making a stink then they may choose to deal with you and if that's the case then you want to follow up with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission that's in your area again you're now taking that list of all of the microaggressions that you've suffered all the numbers of times that you've taken this to HR and nothing was done and then let them guide you and support you may I also say talk with a lawyer I am not a lawyer this is not legal advice for some in, in order to cope we need to feel as though we have agency we need to feel as though we have some control and this is a way to fulfill that need of having some agency and control over what's happening so speak with a lawyer I am NOT a lawyer <laughs> and I definitely don't specialize in labor law and, and workplace issues so if you decide to go this route of documenting and again communicating with HR and if necessary escalating it to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission please consult with an attorney someone who specializes in labor law who can provide you expert expert guidance and support in this area but as I said from the mental health standpoint 
it helps us to feel as though, again, we have some agency, that we have some control, especially when bad things are happening to us. So those are my recommendations as a therapist and a life coach. Um, you know, it's, as I said before, it's really sad that these things are still happening in 2023. And it makes me worry for where our country is headed, that racism and bigotry has now come back to the forefront. It never went away. It's just that because of the direction the country was moving in, it was a lot more covert and people could go to work and be able to do their jobs and not have it flashed in their face. Again, microaggressions have always been there, you know. And again, that's why they became micro <laughs> instead of macro, um, because people were exhibiting their biases in a more covert, small, smaller way. Um, and now we've, in some instances, gone from micro to macro, which is very disappointing um, and scary. You know, I say disappointing, and that's putting it very mildly. Because again, these things are causing mental health concerns. These things are causing physical health concerns. Um, so it's more than disappointing. It's actually very dangerous and very harmful to those who have to deal with them. But so in summation, get Andre 3000's new album if you have to stream it. Um, I personally have listened to it on YouTube and so it's out there, make it a part of your healing practice if you want to, or just sit and enjoy a nice little cup of coffee or tea or whatever your drink of choice is and just chill out, just relax a bit. And in regards to the microaggressions, for those who suffer from the microaggressions, protect your mental health, protect your physical health. Um, for those who witness microaggressions who may not necessarily, you know, have, um, what's what I'm looking for? receive harm from them, we ask that you be supportive. If you see something, say something, as they say. So thank you again for joining me in the Room for Growth, and I look forward to talking to you again. Oh, and please, if you have any further questions, if you have any questions about CNC Counseling and Coaching or myself, Shantae Cross, or the Room for Growth, you can go to www.shantae.cross.com. Dot com. Again, that's Shantae Cross, C-H-A-N-T-E-C-R-O-S-S dot -S com. And I hope you join me again in the room for growth.